When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Taking Care of Lady Business, where we put the business back in lady business. Hosted by Jennifer Justice, founder and CEO of the Justice Department, a management strategy and law firm that works with female and woke male entrepreneurs, executives, talent, brands, and creatives to build and maximize their wealth, focusing in the areas of tech, consumer product, finance, media, entertainment, and fashion. Jennifer interviews entrepreneurial women who have done it all, who will be sharing their secrets on all things business, especially as a woman. These highly successful women will share strategies and insights, including what not to do and what it takes to win. And now, here's your host, Jennifer Justice. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Taking Care of Lady Business. Today, we have the amazing Allie Wyatt on. If you do not know Allie, you're going to get to know her very well today. She has worn many amazing hats as a, and such an avid supporter of women in business. She is currently, I say currently because she's done a lot of things we'll talk about, the co-founder of Female Founder Collective and The North. Hi, Allie. Hi. Great so to nice be to here. Thanks I, for having me. It's so nice me. to finally get you on here. I mean, it's a crazy schedule. So um, I'm happy to have you on and to impart all of your wisdom to everyone listening. That's so kind. And I'm honored to be here. Um, so I want to start a little bit before, uh, you know, I think a lot of our listeners know what the Female Founder Collective is, and we're going to hear about the North, but we'll talk about, you know, both of those. But I want to start how you started in your career and what got you here, like your succession, because it's super impressive. No, <laughs> oh, well, thank you. That again is very kind. Um, it's funny with your career. I feel like it's you don't necessarily know what where your path is going to take you, and I think it's good to. And well, while I'm a very planful person, it, it's good to be open to that, right? To go yeah. into looking at what you want to do in your life and sort of your career arc as a journey towards, it could be many things, you know, and I think today it's really big to be multi-hyphenate, but I initially started in media sort of by chance. I thought I wanted to be in fashion actually, and was working as an intern um, at Liz Claiborne and ran into a former boss on the street of an old internship. And he, he was like, how are you? Do you want to, do you want to come up to my office and and catch up? Cause we got very close when I worked for him and I worked in, in law. I don't even know if I told you this. No, I worked in the, the law department at time Inc. Oh Yeah. And, um, and I came up and I started talking to him and I was like, you know, I just, I thought that I wanted to be in fashion. I thought that that was sort of my passion and I wanted to be a designer and I'm doing it and I don't like it at all. And he asked me a number of questions to sort of help me figure out was that I wanted to do. And what boiled down to is I was like, I like strategy. I like, um, you know, figuring out how to market things to people in different and unique ways. And he's like, I think you would really like to be in media. 
And so that day he introduced me to a friend of his who was the president of InStyle magazine. And I went and I sat down with her. And the thing that struck me is I was like, I want her job. Yeah. Right. Like one day I want to be who she is, everything that she does on a daily basis. And I asked her a million questions about, you know, her, her career and her job and the things she did regularly. I was like, this is what I'd like to do. And I think it's always good to sort of look at the person who is much further along and sort of mature in their career and say, that's where I want to be. Like, if you don't want your boss's job, then get out. No, so that's such then, good advice. It's so you know, true. Progression. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just, what do you have to look forward to? So I actually quit my job and um, and went and started working as an assistant. It, it was a big step down, honestly, in pay. It was, I think, maybe 80% of what I was making or 70% of what I was making. And I was... I was bummed about that, but I was convinced that this was the right move long-term and sure enough it was. And so mm-hmm. that sort of started me in my media career. And then I got out of print because I realized digital was the future yeah. and went over to the knot, which was like this massively, which a friend of ours is the, yeah. the founder, um, which was funny. We were talking about that because it was one of my first jobs in media and they were doing this whole thing of mixing digital and print, you know, in a really right. innovative way. And then I went to L magazine because I still loved fashion and wanted to sort of have my hands in that while still doing digital. And I ran the dot com. And it was there, and this is sort of a long rambling story, but um it was there that we started seeing there wasn't enough traffic to L.com and I had to find a way to increase our traffic. And so I started looking at all of these ancillary websites to be able to roll them up under the L umbrella. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, came across this super niche site that everybody loved called Refinery29. <laughs> and I called the founders, which at that point were like four, two guys and two two women in a basement. And they were part of a network called Glam. And I ended up getting so excited about what they could be that I, I left L and went over there to help them build it. <laughs> yep. So I don't even know if you, if you knew that part. Oh, of- I know. I knew that part yeah. for sure. Yeah. 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 And then ultimately left refinery after we became a big company and I didn't want to do the big company thing anymore and, and started goop from the ground up when she brought it from London to Los Angeles. And then left Goop because my husband got moved from Los Angeles to New York. So I kind of had to go with him. Yeah. I had kids at the time. And, and there was no also- remote situations at those times. No, yeah. No, yeah. no, no. I mean, I was trying to go back and forth. And at the time I had a, a three month old baby. Yeah. That's not going to happen. Um, and so just, it was too tough. Um, I tried it for a couple months and then just was burning out. And so left and started consulting and came across Sophia Amoruso. And then went back to the beginning again of how do we create an empire here? And that's a girl boss. Yeah. This was girl boss. And then yeah. and you were the president created. there, right? Yeah. Right. So you yeah. have this like common thread of like helping these female founders and like building up their portfolios and helping them make money and scale them. Yeah. Which I love. 
you know, yeah. it was so important. You're doing it before anybody else was. But I think what's so interesting is even what you hit on, like, you know, we both love Gwyneth. I had the opportunity to meet her many times with Jay and I was featured in Goop. But it's like even then we were still subscribing to this patriarchal like ideal of being in the office all the time or we couldn't do it. It's so crazy. Yeah. You know, you would have stayed there had you not had, you know, moved. And, and like then, the notion of like a, even a FaceTime call or, or anything like no. that was not a thing. Right. Exactly. And then you're a, a girl boss. Sophia lives in LA. You live here. And then you yep. started this remote working situation. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then you're done with girl boss. Um, you and I both quit our jobs around the exact same time. Yeah. And did you know what you were doing at that time? Now, yeah, because no. yeah, I knew I was starting this, but that had been my situation when I left Rock Nation. Um, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know that I need to build something that's not for somebody else, you know. And then I yeah. did end up going to Superfly, and then I was like, okay, now I have to build something for myself that purely helps women. And so you quit Girl Boss, not knowing what you're going to do. And then what was the next step? How did that lead you to? Where you so I knew I, wanted to, I knew I wanted to try to help female founders at scale, because yeah. when I looked at the wealth gap between men and women, what I thought was the biggest way to impact it the fastest was through women starting companies. It was a trend that was happening anyways. At Girl Boss, when we would do our rallies, the first thing people would sign up for within the rally was our startup studio. So there were so many founders. And then I started digging into the data because I was also angel investing and I and I found myself only investing in women, mm-hmm. you know, not with a purposeful strategy of just investing in women. But I was just like, they had the most viable business models that I felt were going to last long-term. And they also just had the most impressive resumes. You know, these men would come to me and be like, this is going to be a $2 billion business by next year. Yeah. And the women would be like, you know, long-term, here's my strategy. You know, I think we're going to have some slow growth initially, but I, these are the exits that I've seen. And then you look at their career and, and their track record and everything they had done, they were just so impressive. But anyways, you know, when I was looking at sort of female founders, I felt like that was our way to close the gap much more quickly. Because yeah. if you had women that were building successful companies, they were going to create the culture that we want to see, you know, with the, they were going to hire the people in C-suite positions that were women, right? Inherently out of the gate. And you also, when they were exiting, they were going to start investing in other female founders because they knew um, sort of how powerful and how extraordinary Um, women can be when they put their mind to something and how reliable, frankly, they are. So I really felt like that was the fastest way. I think there is obviously going to be a shrinking of the wealth gap as you get more women in C-suite positions in sort of the corporate arena. But I just, I think we are too far. You know, I'm not willing to wait a hundred years and I don't need to wait a hundred plus years for that to happen. And I just, I think that there are and we're, we're seeing it, right? You know, there was an unfortunate headline last week about this, but you're seeing a lot of women build unicorn companies now. Yes. 
And you are seeing women sort of shift into that C-suite as they're getting experience in the private markets. Yes, exactly. Right. And that's how we're going to change it. Put money in women's hands. And we can't just do it through the patriarchal system. We have to actually build our own. We need some really big exits from women. You know, they don't have to be billion dollar exits. Like if you can consistently put money in their hands and like even the hundred million and above, you know, making money and putting real wealth into women's hands so they can redistribute it in the community, not just philanthropies, which I think is the biggest mistake ever. Um, since they were all started to be redundant and not they're instead growing, you know, <laughs> like a philanthropy should not be growing. That's like opposite of why we start them. So um, unless it's getting to all the people who need it, but then, you know, those people should be being able to like graduate on with helping people. So, you know, I, I agree and I'm totally down with the mission, et cetera. So that led you to Rebecca and Female Founders yeah. Collective. Yeah. Yeah. So Rebecca actually launched Female Founder Collective and I saw her go live with it and it was really kind of a campaign and a way for people to put their seal on their products at point of sale. So primarily at retail. And I reached out to her because I was like, we're clearly mission aligned and we we both want to do the same things and that's make women wealthier. And her way of, of doing that was super smart in that she was like, let's let consumers decide and sort of vote with their wallets um, to help these these female founded companies. And I had actually met her previously in another community we're part of called Hey Mama. Mm-hmm. And then also um, in We Sweet, another community we're part of. So again, shows the power of of community. And another one and called bringing... Portia. Yes, and another one called Portia, <laughs> but it just really shows the power of of these amazing communities to network you to the people that you know can be transformative for your life and your career. But so I reached out to her and I was like, I would love to be able to help women at scale, specifically female founders. And I felt like the best way to do that, because the best advice I had gotten was from other female founders. Right. How do you connect them to each other so that you can see around corners and over hurdles that you're about to come up against? It's almost like having a ways, you know, <laughs> at yeah. your disposal. But for founders, you're like, there's an obstacle up ahead. Do not go that direction. And that's what founders really do for each other. And I found that a lot of men already sort of had that and they do it sort of organically. Yeah, exactly. We've very much been conditioned to hoard um, and maybe not share information because only one woman can make it to the top. When in the case for female founders, that's definitely not right. You know, they, yeah. everybody each has their own company. There's endless capital out there. Um, they're only getting at this point 90 or, or sorry, 2% of it and 98% of it's going to men. So there's plenty more to be had. And if they would just communicate and connect in a very intentional way, I felt like they could grow. So we went about creating a community out of Female Founder Collective, out of this really Instagram channel and Slack group that she had created right? and being really intentional about building it to be a growth engine for their businesses. And since then, and so if anybody doesn't know Female Founder Collective, you should check it out. I know Rebecca is going to be on the podcast soon too, so we'll talk more about that then. But- 
you have since even taken it a step further and another company, the North, right? So I really want to get into what the North is, why, and why you started that felt that was so necessary. Yeah. So the North was another organic thing that emerged out of what our community needed and, and also the network, frankly, that Rebecca and I have. So as far as the community goes, we do regular programming inside of our private community called 10th House. And that programming happens every week. And a lot of the follow-ups that come through are, hey, I would love one-on-one time with this this amazing professional or executive that you brought in that has certain domain expertise. You know, I'd love to dive further into how to create my financial model or manufacturers abroad or how I can negotiate a term sheet with this investor that I am speaking to next week. The challenge is, of course, is is the natural one in that these people have very limited time, those exceptional executives that I'm referencing. And the Rebecca and I have a limited network. The other piece is that those executives are not necessarily getting paid and to do that. And that's not that you know, they're willing to share with a lot of people at one time. Um and be generous with their time in that sense. But when you're talking about one-to-one, it's very difficult for somebody to give up time that they would normally be paid, you know, a thousand plus an hour to do. So I wanted to, uh, or we wanted to rather create those connection points while still enabling people on both sides of the table to benefit. So we created the North, which is essentially a marketplace of, amazing experts uh, that ultimately could be advisors for your business. It could be short-term, long-term, but you have one-to-one conversations that are 30 minutes long on average where you can book time with JJ and can talk about how to structure a particular deal or how to think about long-term business strategy when architecting these much larger partnerships with other organizations. So it's a great way for people to go on. They can actually search by skill set and the thing that they need. And then they can book time with these advisors. And a lot of times coming out of it, there will be additional introductions that those advisors are making. They are giving them these really wonderful templates to use when hiring people or to go out and and write that letter to that manufacturer they're talking to or to think about how to get into Target as a retailer, you know, what right. does that process look? So it's just it's a wonderful way to be able to access vetted talent and and people that you know have been there, done it, and can help you leapfrog a lot of the challenges that you're up against right. in real time. Right. No, that's and and that's always been a big struggle. It's like how do you, you know, as the professional, as the quote unquote talent, you're like there's no more picking your brain, right? You, you know, you can call yeah. like when I, when somebody calls me and they want to know if we can work together, they have a half an hour of my time and I will end up giving a bunch of advice that they probably would have paid for anywhere else. And I'm fine with that. But then after that, you have to hire me. You know, women, we yeah. give away everything for free. There's no more of that. Like we deserve to get paid too. You know, even if it's introductions, uh, Rebecca and I actually really like bonded over when she once asked me, she's like, why don't, why aren't, you know, we making it? I was like, women need to pay each other for all this stuff. So if I introduce, 
you guys, in fact, you know, you're looking for money and somebody introduce you to somebody and you get $10 million. I deserve something like I, and I'm expecting a payment and you and I've talked about this. Like your husband gives out, you know, watches or gets watches when he's in finance, when they have big deals, like, and they're not just like, they're not a swatch. Okay. (laughs) Like yeah, big watches with like lots of zeros behind them, you know, at least and they cut each other deals. And yes, you know, I think it's, we have to be willing to be more transactional with each other, but upfront about it, you know, it, it, at the end of the day, we all need to make money. Right. So let's start getting a little bit more comfortable about talking about it and being willing to do that, knowing that there's going to be much bigger ROI in doing so. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's only going to benefit it. Like, it's like, it's just business. It's all good, but pay people and pay people what they deserve and give them real money. You know, it's like a standard is like two to 5% in any kind of like referral situation, you know, you, it's, it's a percentage of what you would have gotten. Somebody asked me, I was just on the CNBC article, like, what if they don't have the money? I was like, I'm only talking about deals when they, you know, get, you know, benefit greatly from it, you know, because that's what's so important. And then on the other side of things, it's like, you know, trying to get information, you know, Google or whatever, or you're getting it from, you know, men who have an easier time in business. And it's like, it's not that easy for me. I can't just do those two, three steps and call my buddy and then get in, you know, it's like you and I have had those relationships in the past with like, you know, you with Gwyneth, me with Jed, like we could make calls and things would happen very easily. That is not the norm. And, you know, we also spent a lot of time on those networks and contacts. And when you're helping people with that, you know, you know that that's worth money on the talent side of things. But on the other side, knowing that you've been through it, um, you know, having that person on the other side to really be able to say like, what did you do here in XYZ? And then feeling okay about asking because you're paying, right? We also have that thing where it's like, I don't want to bother anybody. Well, you're paying them now. So it's fine. Yeah. It's a win-win for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. So what are the capabilities that the North has across the board of kinds of, you know, talent that you guys have? Yeah. It's really deep. So we have people that are technologists. They've built out engineering teams before. They've, um, we have people that have built products for Meta and for some of the biggest tech companies in the world. Um, And when I say products, I don't mean hardware. I mean like software. We have people that have, you know, been heads of collaborations at Target and know all of the buyers there and how they think. We have people who have are more generalists and they've built and sold their business upwards of $300 million. We have venture capitalists on there that are there to really talk to you about one of two things, either you want to build a fund yourself and be a fund manager, or two, you want to figure out how do I have an effective conversation with the ideal VC that I want to get money from? Like, what does that process look like? And then on the other side of it, what are they going to do for me? What does that long-term relationship look like? Because it shouldn't just all be about, you know, what can I do for them? You know, how do I get them forward? You want to know how they're going to help you to get to the goals that you have for the business. 
So it's, it's pretty vast and we're actually adding new people on all the time. Like we have had a lot of requests for people who know how to build out financial forecasts. So we're bringing on some really amazing outsourced CFO firms, former CFOs of, of startups in addition to bigger companies um, who are going to know how to also build uh, your forecasts and basically all your financials for investment rounds, but also um really thinking about the long term of the business, you know, what does a profitable business look like and how do you extend cash flows, et cetera. So it's really a wide range purposefully because we want to be able to support founders at sort of any stage of their journey. And it's fun to see people come in and have a really great experience with somebody in one area and then come back and sort of trust who we have on board, even if they've never heard of that person or necessarily the big companies that they've they've been at or the things that they've done, they now trust the North because they've had this exceptional experience with the other executives that they've met with. Right. That's proven the ROI. I think that's right. the other thing we're talking a lot about. What if I don't have the money? Most startups do not have money. Right. right. To be able to to pay big checks. But what I would say to that is these people are the people that we can guarantee you you're going to get ROI from, right? Like that's why they're on the platform because they're yeah. the best at what they do. And they're going to be able to make a transformative shift in your business. Maybe not in just in one phone call, um, but maybe it's two, maybe it's three. Right. So instead of like, you know, you have many ways, there's a lot of ways to hire people. And in the startup, people get so daunted by the fact that it's like, I can't, how am I going to like hire all these people? You don't necessarily have to hire all these people. You can, you know, that's one way to make them an employee of the actual company. Another obviously is being a consultant, right? But that is expensive as well. And it kind of, kind of requires like a long-term commitment without vetting them out. And this is another way to vet somebody, uh, you know, you can do more hours than just one or 30 minutes and vet them out before maybe you even hire them as a consultant full time, you know? 100%. And that's right. something so encouraged that you can't often do, frankly. Right. Right. So, um, and so where do you see this going? You see just adding more and more capabilities. How does that work? It's people and capabilities, right? So maybe you can't afford a one-to-one with a particular expert or advisor. We're also going to create digital products, right? Where they're able to have mini courses that they can take with these people, these downloadable sort of digital things they can quickly have, um, you know, templates. It, we want it to ultimately be a place of thought leadership and sort of expertise for people on the web. So kind of like your, your LinkedIn profile, but on steroids or when you right. have a book, right, that comes out. Yeah. For all the people that met with that expert or have been interested in that expert, they should know, you know, Candace Nelson, for example, is on it. They should know she now has a book out that's called Sweet Success. And it's a lot of the things that she might tell you in a session with her, but in a book form, right? Candace Nelson started sprinkles for those who don't know. Yeah. 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 Cupcakes. Who knew? I know, right? (laughs) So I know. I love it. I love cupcakes and I love sprinkles. So. <laughs> so you're the perfect audience. Mm-hmm. Um uh, okay, so you're gonna build all that out. And and then as each uh you know vertical grows, then you can get more and more experience, you can get more and more insight, you can get 
And it's available where? Like on a normal platform? You just go to the no- yeah. north? Findyournorth.co. Yeah. And you can you can kind of start to think of it, of it in the future as your Calendly link, right? You might have people sending that out instead of their Calendly when they're like, you know, this is information that I normally get paid for. You know, right. this, I can't just, again, have a pick your brain session. Yeah. I think a lot of people there's a time and a place for those. But if you're looking for real transactional value out of a yeah. human being, yeah. you should be ready to pay them. Yeah. Especially if they have a serious track record to be able to point to. So ideally, you know, that's what I would love for the future that instead of people sending out their Calendly link, they're like, here is my North link. You can schedule time with me. This is how much money I am. For on the other side of it, for the experts, what's been really great is they're like, it takes that the onus of that conversation off of yes. me. Yeah. Of having to be like, you know, I'm this much per hour. Yeah. Um, instead of having to sit there and negotiate that, you're like, here's my link. You can decide to book time or not. Yeah. Um, and that's the value of my time. And I don't need to think about it or have like an awkward conversation every single time I'm I'm yeah. spending time with someone. Yeah. I love it. Good. Putting money in ladies' hands. But that's the whole point of this podcast too, is advice for women by women. It's as well-intentioned men's advice is, if you haven't walked in our shoes, it's, you know, first of all, they're really uncomfortable and um, (laughs) certainly are. They're horribly uncomfortable. They're all made by men for the most part. I mean, finally, we have a few email designers. They're really uncomfortable and you can't get that far so far, you know? So it's like, it's it's not the same. And it's the first time I've ever used that metaphor. But um, (laughs) no, really good point, actually. I'm like, yeah, they're highly uncomfortable. Highly uncomfortable. You can't walk a long ways in them for a very long period of time. Um, We're changing that. But so I, you know, I think it's so important to be able to do this and have, you know, women give you advice and then, you know, it's really transactional. And it also teaches us how to be transactional. I've had people book me on the North that I actually know. And I'm like, what was this call? And I'm like, well, I didn't want to like pick your brain. And I was like, thank you. Actually. Good I really for them. That. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Some were just like informational about like other things I'm doing, but wanted to like pay, you know, which is great. Yeah. That is great. Yeah. And so it's thank you and for it, that. And as far as the advisors go too, even if you're not, if you don't normally charge hourly, I think it's also a good way for you to go, how much is my time worth? Yeah. Right. That's been a big conversation with a lot of women um, that I found really interesting is they're like, how much should I charge for my time? Yeah. I'm like, right. well, like how much could you be making in that 30 minute set time frame or yeah. hour time frame? Right. And like the stuff around like, planning for that, you know, reading all of the materials that you'll get beforehand. That's the the one other thing that we're really trying to be great at and we need to be even better, frankly, but is also coaching the founders. You got to come prepared to these meetings. You know, you're not going to get help if you're not asking the right questions. Yeah. And that onus is not on the advisor. That's on you to come prepared with materials for them to review. If if it is that you want them to look at your pitch or your financials, if you want them to go through your financials, um, really anything that you want to get done, you should have goals for that meeting. You should have objectives if you are paying for it. Exactly. And you should feel fine about doing that and feeling like you you can have these like kind of requirements as well. That's the other yeah. part of it. You know what I mean? Cause it is transactional and it's, um, 
it would be normal no matter what. So yeah. it's, yeah, I love it. Um, thank you so much, Ali. So again, say where you could find the North if people want to find it. Yeah. Findyournorth.co and okay. follow social as well. And, and so, and all the socials are that exact same? Yeah. Uh, yes. It's um, at findyournorth. And what if people want to follow you and see everything you want to be up, that you're up to in general? I'm really bad at social media, but I'm Allie, A-L-I-K, Wyatt, seven on, um, on Instagram. And then I think I'm just Allison Coppler Wyatt on LinkedIn. <laughs> and I am not on TikTok as much as I love a good dance video. Well, um, it's not just about the dance video. There's a lot of <laughs> advice going on there. I know. I should be doing sort of these little advice pieces, but. And the Female Founder Collective, that is, give me that link too. I mean, you're involved in so much. So I want people to, you know, understand all those things. It's really embarrassing that I still have to like, kind of look at my, um, to verify if it's the at the Female Founder Collective versus at Female Founder. It's at the Female Founder Collective on Instagram. And then on LinkedIn, it is the Female Founder Collective. Yeah. And if you are a female founder, like go on, find this, sign up, get the seal, you know, so, and then, and join the North as well, because it is, you know, it's a total, it's there a place two, that like, yeah, two separate things. So we, yeah. we also have a private membership community, a female founder collective called the 10th house, yes. uh, which in astrology is the house of ambition, societal contribution and leadership. Um, but the 10th house is our place where you can connect to founders by stage, industry, geography, um, where we're constantly bringing in experts on particular topics that people are talking about and worried about um, inside the community. We have regular community conversations, events in all different markets. I think we did over 120 events last year in person. Amazing. I'm crazy. So um, it's huge value. And Julia Borston actually recently said that in her studies, she found that the single most important factor towards success for these female CEOs that she had all interviewed was having a diverse but tight network of women. Yeah. Because the numbers actually help us defeat the bias. Yeah. So connection. Okay. Super important. Love it. Thank you so much, Allie, for being on, letting everybody know that this, this like amazing service is available. I mean, there's a lot of them, but it really is bringing women together, helping build each other in business and make each other rich. Yeah. Which is what Love we it. all deserve to be as much as we want. Thank you everyone else for joining. Until next time, I am Jennifer Justice. <laughs> 